as I was saying earlier, research into teens' use of pornography shows that watching porn is increasing amongst young people. Figures recently released by the free pornography site Pornhub show numbers spiking during the COVID-19 lockdown, which I suppose stands to reason. In theory, though, it's a site for adults, but many, many young people have been using it. Classification Office research in 2018 showed that by the age of 17, 75% of young people have seen porn. One in four has seen it by the age of 12. Kate Whitaker is a senior advisor at the Classification Office, and I spoke to her earlier in the morning. Kia ora. Thanks for having me, Kerry. I find it really disturbing, given what sort of sex is shown during pornography, that one in four kids have seen it by the age of 12. Surely that gives them totally unrealistic ideas and expectations about relationships. Yes, it's definitely concerning when young children uh, are viewing pornography and the stats, as you said, show that they are. Um, and there can be some really harmful messages that exist within that pornography. And so it's really important that we, as adults, talk about it with them. Given everybody's fetishes, is there a main theme that runs through pornography? Um, with regards to um, the young people that we spoke to, the main concerns that they had with regards to pornography uh, were the impacts on body image and consent and gender as well. Right, so that quite often it's men having rough sex with women or... Yes, that, that can definitely happen. There definitely can be men um, having uh, rough sex. Uh, but the pornography that they were talking about, the main the main concerns, as I said, was around consent and the lack of communication within pornography. There's no open dialogue um, that, exi- that, that exists or is shown. Right, it's been a while since, I, even in the lockdown, it's been a while since I've seen any, but generally it just shows a woman who is willing and able to take on all comers, so to speak. And is that uh, what a, they're seeing? Oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a vast array of the things, the sorts of things that they are seeing. Um, what we spoke to them about was what were the impacts um, of what they, they were seeing and what they needed from parents and education to be able to talk about this. I would have thought the last thing they'd have needed was a conversation with their parents. I mean, the thought of it just yeah. makes me, you know, go rigid with embarrassment. <laughs> Absolutely. And and they said the, the same thing. Mm. They said that they would never bring it up themselves um, and that it was cringeworthy to have these conversations. But at the same time, they also said that they didn't want us as adults to ignore it and um, think it was going to go away um, because it's not going away and nobody's talking to them about it. So they really saw benefit in having conversations with a trusted adult about this. Huh. Who might that trusted adult be if not a parent? Because while some parents would be able to have those conversations, you know, embarrassing as they are, others just could not. Oh, absolutely. And um, we acknowledge this as well. Sometimes you're not the right person. Mm. Um, but there's lots of trusted adults in, in young people's lives. Um, some young people talked about extended whānau, uncles and aunts being the right people to talk to that they felt that they could have open conversations with. Some spoke about um, it being um, teachers at school, health teachers, for example. Right. Um, but what they acknowledged was that this was really awkward and they knew it was awkward and they would respect their parents for trying to broach the conversation, trying to begin it in some sort of way. 
It's interesting that our young people are increasingly sophisticated about how they are manipulated by media, how they are manipulated by images. You know, they, they've got all the editing apps on their phones. They know that they cannot, you know, take for granted that what they see is, a, is an accurate representation of what is happening. Do they not have that same cynicism about porn? They absolutely do. They absolutely do. They can watch it critically. Mm-hmm. They can talk about it in a critical way. And yet still, just like with images on Instagram, it can still impact how they feel about their bodies, for example. Um, even though they know that uh, porn sex isn't real sex and that these are actors, mm-hmm. um, they need to be able to have these conversations so that they can develop that critical um, that critical and analytical um, thinking skills around that. We've always had that, though. I mean, when I think back to looking at Dolly magazine and then my cousin's Playboy magazines, I knew, and even reading Wilbur Smith novels, you know, where he talks about women with long, coltish legs and pert upright breasts and, (laughs) you know, tumbling chestnut hair, I knew that wasn't what I looked like when I looked in the mirror. And you find yourself wanting. Yeah, absolutely. And But you also don't know whether other young people know that as well. And I think that's one of the main issues is that young people think that other young people might think that's what's expected of them with regards to how their bodies look or with regards to the lack of consent um, that exists within pornography. Um, so if we're not happy, if they don't know that other young people are also having these conversations, um, then that is where the concern lies for them. It's a vastly different world, isn't it? It's like I just wondered, some of the porn that they must see must desensitise them horribly. Uh, it is it's a very different world to um, uh, opening up a, a magazine with potentially the pages stuck together and passing <laughs> it round and seeing still images. Um, it's a, yeah, it's definitely a different world. Um, the young people told us that um, with regards to extreme forms of pornography that they they actively tried to avoid seeing those. So if mm. they saw them, they would shut their computers down. Um, yeah, so they, what they're looking at generally is uh, depictions of, of sex between two people normally. Um, and yeah, and they're learning from that. I remember having a conversation with my daughter when she was about 13 or 14 and she tried to shut me down saying, Mum, I know all about sex. And I'm like, well, no, no, it's like you know that swimming at Piha Beach can be dangerous. You're aware of it. But until you're caught in a rip and until you're caught into the tumble of waves, you don't know what it feels like. you know. And, and I think perhaps young people might think they understand about sex, but what they don't understand is that, that turmoil of emotion that comes with it, which isn't depicted on pornography. Absolutely, which is why it's really important that we open up and have these conversations. And I talk about having a conversation as opposed to um, us downloading a lecture onto them because that is going to shut um, the conversation right down. Asking them questions, um, asking them what what they know about consent, um, asking them what their views are on pornography, um, talking to them about things like this radio interview, for example, um, that talks about the fact that young people are watching porn. Do they think that's a realistic representation of what they know in their lives to be happening with the young people around them? That opens up a dialogue and it shows that we really respect them um, and we value their contribution to this conversation. Mm. Interestingly, though, the stats show that young people are having less sex than ever before within Western cultures. There's fewer teen pregnancies, fewer STDs amongst young people. Maybe it's yeah. putting them off starting starting sexual relationships. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm unsure about that. Um, 
but yeah, that, that is an interesting stat that things are changing mm. um, in this in this different landscape. Lovely to talk to you, Kate. Thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, great. You're welcome. On our website, we have a whole plethora of resources to help parents. Oh, um, that's animations, um, that's uh, brochures, um, that's frequently asked questions, that's scripts to kind of give you an idea of how you might broach the subject because we understand that it's a, a tricky subject that can be awkward and embarrassing and some people feel ill-equipped to start. So we've done all that we can to um, to help empower parents to have these conversations. So just at the classification office website. Okay, and what's the address for people to go to? I'll put that on our Facebook page as well. Uh, that'll be classificationoffice.govt.nz. Um, Kate, thank you. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. News Talk ZB, love to get your feedback on that, especially if you've been having conversations with your teenagers, your your young ones in your house. I suppose now's the time to do it while you're all in lockdown and they can't get away. <laughs> you have to be able to broach the subject with them. Uh, pornography is another deadly addiction, says one, which is a rot in our children's minds. Why is it not blocked completely? Because the genie's out of the bottle. With the internet, it's almost impossible to block it. And John says a lot of males in their 20s now suffer from erectile dysfunction after spending many years of watching porn. I have heard that too. See if I can find the stats. Thank you for that.